Well, why don't we uh, reverently take our seats and just let the Lord continue. Thank you, team. Hallelujah. Great little spot, great little place to come into uh, the word. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you again for today, Lord. We thank you for, Lord, what you're doing here today, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And we, we all just welcome now your Holy Spirit, not just in this room, but Lord, in our hearts. And Lord, we just acknowledge that he comes to do the Father's will. He comes to do what only he can do. And Lord, we thank you for him. Thank you, Lord, sent into our hearts. Lord, we thank you for revelation knowledge today. Lord, that, that which would lift us up from the place where we are. And Father, Lord, traject us into where we're going, Lord. We thank you for revelation knowledge, Lord, that shows us, Lord, where we are. Father, your, your word is a lamp into our feet. And Lord, it'll show us where we can go, Lord. It's a lamp into our path. So, Lord, we just get ready to receive, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're ready. Well, we're into a bit of a series at the moment, and uh, we see, and what we've been seeing is that the true state of the kingdom of God is that it is in a time of war. Not everybody gets excited about that. No one really screams and yells and shouts, Amen, about that. But the battle plays out all around us and of course and the need for the church we that's the church the called out ones that's all of us everybody's hand should go up at that thought that we are actually the called out ones now that's what the word church means ecclesia you know the job for us is to get into the fight the job for every single one of us and it's a supernatural fight it's a fight of faith and we're going to see that again today and be reminded about that. It's uh, where we hear the word of God and we speak it. It's about saying and praying what God says. It's about all of those things. And actually taking that on as a lifestyle. That's the fight. That's the battle. You know, that we fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And that's it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I tell you, about it, you better not just be hearing it. You sooner or later are going to find out you need to be speaking it too. You need to speak to the mountain, you know, to say what God says about your mountain. And I'm very aware this morning as I've been preparing and even getting up early this morning, very aware that there's some people that are a little battle weary actually among us. And I know that God's got something for you today if you're battle weary. He wants to minister into your heart today and actually lift you up out of that place because he wants us fresh and strong for the fight. Amen. Sometimes it takes a little bit of determination to just keep going. You know, you're feeling some things that are just wearing on you a little bit. We know that Jesus demonstrated that fight for us uh, when he was tempted in the wilderness. What did he do? He spoke the word only to the enemy. Didn't, didn't say, don't you know who I am? How dare you come and tempt me in this wilderness? He didn't say that. He demonstrated for us all what we all can do is not speak the word when the enemy comes. Speak the word at him. Say what God says. Let us remind ourselves that we are up to the fight because of Jesus. But we need to fight like Jesus. Amen? We need to fight just like him. I like that verse in the song. It may look like I'm surrounded, <laughs> but I'm surrounded by him. I'm so glad of that verse because... Or, or, or that song, because it's something that oh, Rosemary came, flew in yesterday afternoon, and guess what song she was humming? 
I made it look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. That's what she was humming as she walked through the door, in from the airport. You know, that's how we're going to fight our battles and win. Amen. I like that uh, passage in Elijah's time, the king of Aram and his military resources all arrayed against the prophet Elijah, his natural physical weapons that were insurmountable for one prophet, but not for God. And look what it says, 2 Kings 6.13 to 17, it says, So the king said, Go and see where he is, talking about Elijah, that I may send men to capture him. And on receiving the report, Elijah is in Dothan, the king of Aram sent horses, chariots, and a great army. And they went there by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early and went out early in the morning up onto the patio, an army with the horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And so he asked Elijah, Oh, my master, what are we to do? Good question. Physical situation and sometimes when we're facing physical situations, we do ask natural questions, don't we? What are we going to do? And look what he says in verse 16. Do not be afraid, Elijah answered, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. How many, well, we really can't, we, I really can't say, but the, certainly biblically we get a picture that it was actually a third of the angels of heaven that actually rebelled with uh, Lucifer, Satan. We understand that from scripture, okay? It's just that people don't like to kind of, you know, absolutely determine that, but we know it was about a third. So there's two thirds that are with us and a third just with the enemy. <laughs> and of course, uh, look what he says, then Elijah prayed, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. Those that are with us are more than those that are against us. Amen? And we've got to have that heart. We don't only see with our natural eyes, but we can also see in the spirit. Just, just out of interest, who's, who's had those moments when the Lord's actually shown you something in the spirit, that, that realm of the spirit? Got a few hands, one, two, three, four, a few hands going up. Well, the Lord's shown you something in the spirit. You know, I'm talking about maybe an open vision, something like that, where what the Lord shows you is superimposed over what's actually here naturally. Amen. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I want to talk about a testimony. I don't often share this, but I thought it was uh, appropriate for this morning. Um, part of my testimony was, is as a fairly new Christian, I'm driving from Fremantle to Welshpool on Leach Highway. Okay, hands up. Who knows that trip? Okay, it's, it, it takes a while, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm probably praying longer than I normally would be praying because it's a fairly long trip. Okay, so... I'm in my vehicle and I'm driving along the, the road there and don't be scared, but I was praying in tongues, okay? Just praying in tongues. And I had found as a new believer, having come from the background that I had come from, that praying in tongues was a high. And it was something that came from the very inner part of me that was very good. And I was starting to really enjoy it. I was really starting to get in that place where, as a new believer, I was saying, that's a good high. So I just started praying in, in my heavenly language. And the Lord, as I was driving along, opened my eyes. And I saw, out of my driver's window, something. And I looked. 
And it was an angel, believe it or not. An angel flying beside me as I drove the car. And I'm not talking about a little fat baby. You know, you see, you can buy them in the curio shop and the little, I'm not talking about a little fat baby. Angels are huge. Tell you, angels are nine foot tall, at least, if not 10 foot, probably even higher. But this angel, I'll just describe it. This angel was wearing chain mail. Have you ever seen chain mail? You know, the crusaders in the old days would wear these, that would, you know, stop. It was wearing chain mail. It was kind of a leathery look about it, but it was a chain mail. The face of this angel was neither male nor female. Okay? You, you could just see, but beautiful. Beautiful to look at. And not only that, but the look on his, I say his, the look on his face was as if he knew something I didn't know. You ever, you ever seen that look? Someone looking at you and they like, they know something. <laughs> And there I am, just zip-zap, have this, have this kind of experience of seeing this angel. I'm sort of still in the process of processing that, if you like. What does this mean? You know, what, what, this angel, I'm sort of looking and looking. And as I turn the corner from Leech Highway into Orong Road, it's like I'm no, no longer looking at my angel. I don't know if he flew up or, you know, he's in another trajectory. I'm not sure. But I looked out across the industrial area of Welshpool and Kewdale, and there were angels everywhere. There were angels just between, you know, like, I don't know, maybe uh, the ground to two to 300 feet up, and they was just spotted everywhere. And I realised, you know, and, and I asked the question, I knew that they were there, but I asked the Lord the question right there at that moment. When you have those moments, the Holy Spirit's right there. Okay, You don't have to pray and ask and seek the Lord over an answer. He's right there. And I asked him and I said, Lord, what are they doing? That's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know what they were doing. What's their task? And he answered me out of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, where it says, Are not the angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. That's what they're doing. If you wonder what the angels are doing, they're not just sort of having a, a scuffle up there in the skies. They're actually ministering into our needs. You know, those heirs of salvation. And it's exciting to consider it. It's exciting to walk out of church on a Sunday morning and go, I've got angels. Even if you can't see them. But I tell you what, I know what my takeaway was. I need to pray in tongues more often. <laughs> that was my takeaway that morning. I need to pray and pray and pray and just find myself in that place. And, and of course, it's never let me down. Anyone that just gets an urge to be prayed for, to be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, please let us know because we'd love to pray for you for the infilling. Amen. Well, we're going to continue on this morning, but just tuck that in your heart. I would like to say I've had experiences like that every week, but I have to say I haven't have to admit that, you know, those are, those are very precious moments in my Christian walk, you know, when, when the Lord's opened my eyes. Well, we looked at this verse, and we're going to look at it again in the time we've got remaining. It says, and the war broke out in heaven, Re Revelations chapter 12 and verse 7 to 9. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Well, they're outnumbered, praise the Lord. 
and the, of course there was the angels that are on the, on, the, on the side of good, on God's side. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Just underline that bit, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So there is a battle going on. There's the, the good angels and the bad angels. You know, what we call the demonic is really what we're talking about. So this war started in the third heaven. There's three heavens. I don't want to go into that right now, but we will. But it started with a rebellion. Actually, it started with pride. We can say it started with a rebellion, but actually that was pride that was found in Lucifer first that led to rebellion. Watch out for pride. It'll rob you rob you of what God's intended for you. And as a result, Lucifer, or Satan, a high-ranking angel, and his angelic followers were cast out of the third heaven and cast into the earth. So we see him starting his campaign of rebellion with mankind straight away. What he's wanting to do is to influence man to rebel against God's cause, against God's purposes. That's what he's after. That's what he's doing. When we come into God's kingdom, we have to put rebellion down in our own life. We have to. That's the way forward. Boot camp for the, for the new Christian is learning to be teachable, learning to be humble, learning to be self-sacrificing so that God can and will use us, so that he may exalt us in due time, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. What? So he may exalt, lift us up, use us, present us in a situation where we can be of use to the kingdom of God. That's what it's about. And as we've seen, his first activity is Satan gets man to disobey, rebel against God's word, how it makes good sense. It's subtle. It's the cognitive deception, as we all see. The battle rages so often in that thought realm. That's where it all happens. Satan's tactic is no different today, still the same today. He gets mankind to first question God's word, and gets them over into the sin of unbelief. Questioning God's word, and then over into the sin of unbelief, not acting on God's word. And of course, what was Satan's words to Adam and Eve? Has God said? It's that little question, did he really say? Is that really what he had in mind? Has God said? And look at it in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then he started to play with that. Well, he knows that when you do, your eyes are going to be open and you're, you know, you're going to know some things. So what we've been seeing in this series, this is our third week that we've talked on this, that our weapons and armour, our battle equipment, relate to biblical truth. And we've got to get a hold of those biblical truths. The enemy is described as him that deceives the whole world. He's out there, what? Deceiving. That's what he does. So, you know, we can, get, we can grab a hold of ideas, thoughts, thinking, reasonings, and we have to make sure that they line up with the word of God. And when they don't, we can reject them. We don't have to worry about because note that bit about deceiving the whole world. We don't have to worry about some billionaire puppeteer having influence in governments, all secretive and behind the scenes, 
pulling strings in high places within the world system. I say we don't have to worry about that. Perpetrating some ungodly form of power in the earth. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's what the scripture says. Greater is he that's on the inside of us than he that's in the world. You cannot fight that stuff through the strategy of, well, I'm here to raise awareness. All of that secretive, what's really going on type sort of narrative, it's just the workings of darkness. And it's here, still in the earth. That's not going to be overcome this side of Jesus' return. Because the devil's here. He's working what he's going to work. We have to play our part, though. What the church needs to do is to get busy with biblical truth. Get a hold of the word. We cannot fight deception in the flesh. It's done with spiritual weapons. The truth, that's the weapon that we've been given. I want to get on to this a little bit this morning just so we can get a, an appreciation, two specific verses, the time that we've got remaining. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 4, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So in other words, we are flesh people. I got knocked around the other day and I've got a scab on my arm that just reminds I'm flesh. I can, you know, there's a, there's a flesh thing going on there. And, you know, if you... You get knocked, you bleed, and you're reminded that you are flesh. But for though we walk in the flesh, in other words, I've got flesh to live out, it says, we do not war according to the flesh. What it says in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And if we'll get busy with the truth of God's word, if we'll prepare ourselves and not scare ourselves... All right, watch out for that, because some of the stuff sort of appears scary when you first hear it. If we'll get equipped, a bit of basics training, a little bit of boot camp uh, into, our, into our lives and be battle-dressed and, and armed, as the scripture t- uh, teaches us, we'll see the strongholds of the enemy coming down, not just around us, but even in our own lives. But also in society and communities, So here's a question based on what we talked about. What's a stronghold? Well, it's a rhetorical question, all right? It's an access for the enemy. It's an area where the demonic has been given ground, where we've actually given over ground to the enemy and he just has access there. As Christians, we need to be aware of that because uh, we know, and we've said this in the last couple of weeks, I personally don't believe that Christians can be possessed. But I know that, Oppression is something that Christians can experience. Oppression from the enemy because an access has been given. A stronghold has been been built. And we need to be a people who know how to pull strongholds down. Not just uh, uh, for ourselves in our own lives, but for the lives of others. We need a breakthrough anointing. We need and should know that Jesus came to set the captives free. And that's what those strongholds actually represent. Uh, in people's lives. It's an area where the enemy has been allowed to set up a fortress, that area that we just don't give over to God. Just going to... I'm playing golf on Sundays and that's all there is to it. Whenever I'm invited to go and play golf, I'm out playing golf and that's all there is to it. It's It's like a stubbornness to that. But it may be in your own life, it might be habitual sin 
or a comfort zone. It may be societal in the community where you frequent, where you come across a stronghold that's been set up by the enemy. But what about in the workplace, a township or a region even? They're strongholds. The reality is that you shouldn't be trying to pull down the stronghold over a region when you're still battling a stronghold in your own flesh. We have to, we have to get real too, don't we? What we have to see clearly is that the very centre of a stronghold is deception and lies. Jesus said that the devil was a liar from the beginning. Always had lies. That's his, that's his thing. This is where we're to see God's strategy for pulling down the enemy's strongholds. We fight the lie with the truth. We get the word, the truth into our heart so much so that we can just easily speak it, just at, at will, just say what God says. Counter those lies of the enemy. I just want to read again just Ephesians 6. I'm just going to continue on with the stronghold area, but just remembering and reminding ourselves that we've been given weapons. We've been given armour to fight a fight, and we need to step up for that fight. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13 to 17, it says, Wherefore, this is the Apostle Paul telling the Ephesians church, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation, and I tell you, it's so very important, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here's the question, can you rub two scriptures together on any of these topics? I think we looked at it last week, there's six topics in here, six topics that are scriptural that we need to be at, at least be able to put a few scriptures together. In that regard, I pictured myself getting my front row this morning and just sort of challenging them to give two scriptures on each subject. You want me to do that this morning? <laughs> Look, here's the excuse. We're a little bit diminished on the front row. Rosemary's at the back at the sound desk for some reason. And, um, <laughs> and of course, Mark and Di are not here today. We'll keep them in our prayers as well. Hallelujah. But uh, just, again, reminding ourselves that we should. We should be able to rub a couple of scriptures together on some of these topics that are listed here because that's what they are. You know, our armour and our weaponry is all about truth in our hearts that we can just pull out and speak and say. That's what it's about. You know, in military campaigns, fortresses, strongholds are first of all surrounded. You know, that cuts off supply, doesn't it? This is a turning point in the battle, usually. You know, and going to war with a stronghold in our own life will look like taking time to establish a new battle plan. You know, you might be saying, well, I haven't been pulling down too many strongholds lately. Well, it's time for a new battle plan because we're called to a fight where we're pulling down strongholds, those areas where the enemy's been able to get in. You know, seeing the pattern of failures to overcome by the flesh, despite your good determination, and we've all had good determination, but um, we need to try harder, amen? We need to make a better commitment. And it's when you begin to turn toward God, getting wisdom from the Lord as well, fresh weapons from God, his spoken word, replacing the lie with the truth, replacing sometimes what, a, what, what is manifest in the natural with what God is giving us in the supernatural. 
I tell you, one of the sweetest moments in my, in my last 10 years was when the Lord spoke into my heart and gave me a scripture to speak over an unwell family member. That's sweet. That's what it's about. I remember that moment and just go, that's how you pull down strongholds, is you get that word in your heart and you begin to speak it. You begin to say it. You begin to thank God for the fulfilment of it. You keep saying it and saying it. And then, even better, get your, your, your friend or relative or your workmate to say the same thing. Get them speaking the word as well. That's what winning will look like. Amen? You know, the Apostle James says, submit to God. And, of course, that speaks of bringing our lives back under the authority of God's word. James 4 verse 7 it says submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded I like that last little bit there you know in, in verse 8 you know cleanse your hands you sinners where there's been a bit of compromise you know your stronghold get this got your seatbelts ready okay your stronghold may well be uncontested sin in your life. Your stronghold might be areas where you've said, ah, that doesn't matter, where you've been dismissive. That you can, areas that you can continue to submit to the flesh where you shouldn't be. A bad temper. I've had that once or twice. Envy, jealousy, gossip. What about filthy communication out of your mouth? It could be rejection. It might be porn. You know, it might be adultery. You know, these are things that we shouldn't be dismissive about, but rather should actually say, no, these are areas I need to get busy in and work on and go to, go to war with. There are several conditions that prevail that keep a flesh stronghold established in lives, Christian lives. The first is justification. I've done this because of. Or another good one, the devil made me do it. <laughs> That's another classic one. No, no, we can't be dismissive. We can't blame. We need to go to war. And we need to go to war with the weaknesses of the flesh. Not being dismissive or procrastinating, putting it off. Complacency also. Enemies to us overcoming and becoming those victorious Christians that can talk and tell others about it. Amen? You know, if you have a stronghold that you allow to stay, it will continuously hinder your spiritual life and your growth as a Christian. That is what it's built there for. That's why the enemy wants it there in your life. It's to trip you up in God's pathway. We preached on that earlier in the year, at the beginning of the year, about staying on God's pathway. And it will hold you out and prevent you from fulfilling, fulfilling God's destiny for your life. Let's just say your, your particular stronghold is rejection. I tell you, it's an insidious spirit, the spirit of rejection. It is the worst, one of the worst, I think probably the worst is the spirit of religion. But the spirit of rejection is a shocker. You have to stop using carnal weapons against those that, you feel have rejected you. You, can't, you have to stop that. You have to stop trying to fight 
that in the flesh with natural responses. Stop countering the lie of rejection by seeking attention, buying popularity and favour. Stop trying to fight the stronghold with carnal weapons. Okay. You won't take ground by doing that. You won't move that stronghold until you cut off supply to that stronghold of rejection. In other words, stop your carnal ways. Stop that. Begin to list the verses of, of the Bible that establish your value in Christ. Can you rub three scriptures together on the subject? Your value in Christ, that you're accepted in the beloved. I think the last, probably a message that you gave a couple of weeks about was about identity in Christ. Find that on the website. Your identity in Christ is your way out of rejection. That spirit of rejection is usually built in from a young age. An event, a trauma, something that happened early in family. That spirit of rejection so hinders that walk with God. That's God's calling us to. I think I talk about sometimes my family, how my mother had an attitude toward me. She, uh, She would do dressmaking as a little side game. Dad didn't want mum to work. She wanted mum to be at home with the kids. That was my dad's goal. So he would go out to work and he worked a little side gig as well. And, but my mum would dressmake at home and so we'd have visitors coming to the house in the, in the, you know, after school. And so we'd be sitting there watching television, my brother and I, and sitting there and, of course, my mum would have these and there'd be a knock on the door, the bell would ring and, of course, mum would come down the hallway and let him in and first thing she'd do is she'd introduce the, you know, her kids to the customer and she'd go, this is uh, Alan, he's the brainy one. <laughs> I know. And then she'd say, and this is Peter, he's the lazy one. And I heard that week after week after week. That was her introduction. Because my brother was a brainy child and uh, he excelled in, you know, all of his academics and everything. And it's because when it came to chores, he turned every chore that he did into a science experiment. So he would love doing chores around the house. He would mow the lawn to see how many times it would take him to go around the lawn. And me, I just wanted to play. I wanted to go out and have some fun. But I found out later as I grew up older, I was just motivated differently to my brother. But isn't it amazing how words spoken over you in your childhood by significant people can put such a scar and leave a little access point for the enemy that can hinder you into your older age, hinder you so badly. You know, it's something for us to just be aware of, that spirit of rejection. And what we're talking about, this is how we pull stronghounds down cut off supply, stop acting in the flesh in these areas of the, of the stronghold. The biblical strategy for pulling down a stronghold is true of any stronghold when the enemy has taken ground. You have to counter the lie with the truth. Reject the lie and give yourself wholly to the truth. New battle plans. If you know that you've got a stronghold somewhere, some area of your life, 
go to the scriptures. Find the truth that counters that and start to write it down. You know, when, when Rose and I were first married and we, we, we lived in an old beach shack for the first two years of our marriage, and I tell you, we had post-it pads all over the house with scriptures on them. So we'd go praying around this house and you'd stop and you'd read a, read a scripture. They're they everywhere, all over our house. And um, I remember sometimes occasion when we're packing and moving and doing things, you know, we'll find one of those old post-it notes floating around in a, in a, a removal box. But casting down imagination is where the fight starts as well. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You've got to cast those things down, those thoughts. You know, oh, mum didn't love me like she loved the others. She didn't love me enough. All of those thoughts are things that need to be cast down. And of course, we find the greatest love of all in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Our thought life is where we find ourselves in battle, taking back ground from the enemy. That's the part where we submit our, even our thoughts to God and what we allow to go on up there in the cognitive, what we allow to just float around there in the, you know, the, um, the grey matter. We bring them into alignment with God's word. You know, if you're serious about overcoming strongholds, enough, you know, you will take time to do that, to, to write out a battle plan. Write those scriptures down. Have a list. You know, once you finish that list, write it out again. You know, have your lists floating around the house, you know, so you can sit and, you know, again, renew your mind to that word. Stockpiling uh, is the word I get. Stockpiling your ammunition so that, you know, no matter where you are, you've got ammo that you can just grab and take. And then what happens is that word, that truth, gets down into your heart. And you now have a renewed mind to the word of God. You now have, a, you know, that scripture ready to speak and say and to shoot back when the enemy comes, to counter what the enemy says. Stockpiling means finding those verses of scripture that are relevant to your battle area. Write them out. Put them on the bathroom mirror. Post-it pads. Do that. Make lists. Amen. Let's make room today for those that want to make a fresh start to make a new commitment to God. You can do that where you're sitting, but you can also come down the front and just stand before the Lord if you want to make a fresh start today. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come on up and, and uh, just lead us in another song of worship. But if you're here today and there's that, just that recognition that you know the Lord's been maybe pinpointing some areas in your own life, maybe a stronghold where you've just... You've just continued on in your life and that stronghold's been there i just want you to know that there's a opportunity today i believe the spirit of god wants to minister to the battle weary those who have suffered at the hands of a stronghold in their life and that want to get it out and over and done with and make a fresh start today to to, to see that those strongholds removed in your life you know breakthrough anointing you know, I found in my own Christian life that the Lord can also, just in a moment, in a breakthrough moment, deliver us from those things as well. I know it happened to me in my early uh, Christian life as well, where the Lord just broke something off my life. Didn't have to spend a lot of time dealing with it. 
I'd like to think that there's some who, who feel that maybe that's, that's for them today, and I'd like to encourage you to come down the front um, after we sing this song. Let's just pray. Father, we, why don't we all stand and we'll, um, and we'll pray. Father, we again thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to be around your word and to, to receive from your word today, Lord God, to take on, Lord God, uh, truths, Lord, that we can speak, Lord, that we can say and pray, Lord, that we can uh, fight with today. Father, truths that we can get a hold of, Lord. Lord, we've got the, we've got the strategy from heaven to, to pull down strongholds, Lord, today. And Lord, we, we, are, we are people, Father, that purpose to do something about it. Lord, to be a people of your word, Father, to take up the armour of God, Lord, that we might stand against the lies of the devil in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.